0: you're listening to the UBC Medicine Learning Network.
1: Are you done with languishing this year? Are you looking forward to find ways of flourishing even during this hopefully last phase of the pandemic? Yeah, me too.
0: This is Primary Care in a Pandemic. Hi, I'm Sarah and I'm a medical anthropologist working at the University of British Columbia's Department of Family Practice.
1: And I'm Morgan, a family doctor working in the inner city and I'm faculty in the Department of Family Practice. We're both part of the Primary Care Innovation Support Unit, or the ISU.
0: If we look over the last two weeks, uh, what's been happening?
1: Sarah, we've had a nice trending of numbers coming down in terms of COVID cases in British Columbia
0: you know i was really excited about this and then you pointed out that we should look at the data from last year and it actually turns out that last year bc had a seven day average of about 14 cases and currently you know we were really excited to hit in the four to five hundred range so we're still significantly above that
1: yeah our, our seven day right now is about 560. it's absolutely trending down but that is still over a hundred higher per day than our low point between wave two and three we're going in the right direction and I, I hope it continues for sure.
0: And it's not all bad news now. No. Everyone over 18 is eligible to book in BC as of Sunday night I think.
1: Which is fantastic and I think that means more than half like 55 percent of eligible adults have gotten at least one vaccine dose and we're starting to see the numbers of the second dose vaccines ticking up slowly.
0: And then I guess over the last two weeks the other thing that's really changed has been kind of AstraZeneca and the decision in BC that now it's going to be reserved for second dose only and we know that kind of in the next week there's going to be a lot more data out about kind of the mixing of vaccines, and the public health officer has let everyone know that people are going to be able to choose what they get for second doses, which I think is really interesting.
1: It is. I mean, for those of you who haven't heard, I went back a couple of episodes and put a cover on top of our one where we talked about the AstraZeneca risk, because the science has changed a fair bit. The epidemiology of those clots, while it's still rare, is a little bit less rare than it was when we recorded that episode. And I think there's been a lot of real questions about what does that mean for me if I've had a dose, if I haven't had a dose. So I think it's prudent from the perspective of public perception to hold the AstraZeneca for second dose, because if you had the first dose, the chance of you getting a clot in the second dose is tiny, tiny. It's, it's about one in a million. Until we know that we can mix and match doses, it's important to keep those on reserve in case we don't get any more. We're also, Sarah, looking at a long weekend coming up. And so there's a hope and expectation that some of the rules will be relaxed after the long weekend. And I, I'm looking forward to that. I'm also hoping that it's not going to be too quick so that we don't have another surge or wave before we get beyond the 55%. Because that's 55% of people having one dose who are eligible, not right. 55% of the population who are vaccinated. So I hope we go and, and relax a little bit, but do it safely so we don't have another wave.
0: So patience is what you're saying. That's going to be tough for me, but, but I'll try.
1: Yeah. <laughs> short-term, short-term patience for getting the summer back, I think is really the, the kind of the messaging we want to have.
0: Great. So last week we talked about languishing and provided some tips on what we hope are some really tangible ways that you can address languishing either for yourself or with your patients.
1: Sarah I, I think that it was a really timely topic because I know people who maybe didn't hear the podcast or probably didn't hear the podcast have talked to me about the same feeling mm-hmm. maybe not with that term but how they're doing and how things are just that much harder right now and while we're looking forward to the relaxing of the rules we're also in this sort of just please let's get it over with so while we were looking at this we came across this great information around flourishing and I think we sort of Foreshadowed a little bit in the last episode that we wanted to bring this into the podcast today. So we're going to focus on flourishing.
0: And hopefully this can help you and perhaps you can point patients to these resources as well. I know I have kind of a long list of people that I'm gonna send this to now. Yeah.
1: Sarah, I think that's that's really a good point. I was thinking about this from a, a provider's perspective and what I might be able to who I might be able to share this with in terms of my patients, but also as a team member. Uh, and as a family member, and then personally myself, too. I think there's value. These are, what we're going to talk about today are very practical, new techniques, and I think we can use it in a bunch of different spots in our life. So
0: we came across the Harvard Human Flourishing Program, and their definition of flourishing, I think, is really interesting and has kind of six domains.
1: Yeah, it's nice. It's strongly evidence-supported, and the first one is around happiness and life satisfaction. So that's, that's my own or your own subjective experience of how happy you feel you are.
0: And then the next domain is really focused on kind of meaning and and purpose, how we view our individual purpose in the world, and kind of that greater sense of understanding of the meaning of it all. I guess
1: they move from there into health, mental and physical. You know, things, we think about that from the healthcare perspective, being free of physical ailments or mental health issues.
0: And the next area really focuses on character and virtue. So. Um, what we're like as individuals, how we act towards ourselves and to others.
1: And, and Sarah, I'm going to jump in and say virtue, it's a different kind of word than what some people might think of. And so it's it's about your character strength. And mm-hmm. we'll talk a bit more about that in a few minutes, I think. Moving from sort of the individual out to social relationships the, uh, as an aspect of flourishing is the close social relationships you have. And I think this one's really important this year in particular. Mm-hmm.
0: And then, and then the final aspect that they touch on, which is so important, again, in this kind of year of change when there's so much instability is, is that idea of financial and material stability, whether or not we have to worry about safety, food, housing, um, and kind of those those factors that feed into the context in which we live.
1: So these six areas, I mean, when I think about languishing and I think about where we're at right now, I think, oh gosh, yeah, flourishing just as an idea, we got to do more of that. Sarah, you know, as, as a medical anthropologist, why is this important, particularly now in this time of languishing?
0: I was excited by the idea of flourishing because I hadn't really thought about it before. Then I realized what flourishing is, is a reframing of this idea of resilience. You know, I've done a lot of work looking at a socio-ecological model of resilience. So you're really seeing resilience as a dynamic process, the old sense of what people used to think about, which you know something that you either had or didn't have. So rather than just thinking about your kind of internal resilience, interpersonal factors, and then the broader kind of geography and social context, to really frame flourishing in terms of the different aspects of your physical health, your, your meaning, your character, your relationships, and then also, again, accounting for those external kind of material and financial stability aspects. It just seemed to kind of round out the perspective really well, and I think it could be a really interesting way to move forward as we think about the next phase of the pandemic.
1: And I think that's important. I often used to think about resilience as this, yeah, you've got it or you don't, or there's a level of resilience you have and you you reach that threshold and really flourishing. And the new way of thinking of resilience is it's much more dynamic. And there's things that are within your control, things that are outside of your control. And it's all, it's a bucket and you can build up your flourishing bucket by certain measures. That's what was exciting for me when we discovered this. We can build that up. We can build up our resilience through action.
0: And what we found was, were these really tangible flourishing measures that people can use to quickly assess and then develop plans for action. Things that you can actually do to better flourish, to support that in your life. So there's there's four measures. There's a flourishing measure, a meaning measure, gratitude measure, and a character strengths measure. We're spending
1: a lot of time on the, this, this Harvard group in particular because I, I like how practical it is and how evidence-based it is. So these are these are all very short, online, and all the links are in the show notes. Tests that you can take and retake. It's called the Flourishing app, but it's a webpage. I, I really appreciated the approach they're taking, and we're gonna talk about some of the measures, and then we're gonna get into some of the activities too. So flourishing is the first one, Sarah, you mentioned. Hmm. That one really helps you identify your overall level of flourishing, and it covers the six different domains that we've already talked about. I took that test. I came up with a, a 7.9 out of 10. I'm sure it will change day to day for me, but in the moment it was 7.9, so I was pleased.
0: And then the next measure is the meaning measure, which provides a comprehensive measure of of meaning, and it really incorporates a lot of kind of philosophical framings into the questions that they they ask to get at this idea of meaning. This, for me, was a measure that I think, you know, if you were going to rate yourself on, slightly lower. So my score was 87 out of 147 for meaning.
1: And Sarah, I was I was meaning to get to this one, but I didn't quite. I, yeah, I only had so much time, so I focused on the first one. Uh, the next one, though, I've done before, and that is the character strengths. It's incorporating from VIA, which is another research group that has been doing this globally, and have validated the measurements of 24 different character strengths. These are cross-cultural, multicultural. And the way you think about them is that everybody has these 24 strengths to greater or lesser degrees. So there's no no weakness in this. This test does take a little bit longer, but really useful as something that wouldn't change over time as much. And I think that that is, is a great one to look at. And Sarah, we've used this as a team as well in the innovation support unit.
0: I think that the thing that really jumped out for me with this one is just how useful it is to, to do it as a team.
1: And we got to look at where our strengths across the group where they were collectively, and that actually has helped guide some of our work. If I can be so bold, two of your top ones were humor and social intelligence.
0: The first thing I thought was, oh my God, if you had humor without social intelligence, that could be a big problem. But, but I realized yeah. you know, it's, it's really valuable for, for me to see that, but also for the team to know that, you know, humor is really important to how I deal with things, which I think is obvious, but it's nice to have it out there. And then everyone can kind of be like, oh, this is why she's maybe coping with things in in this way.
1: She's exercising her strength. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly
0: and you think about those spaces that you work where everything is kind of effortless right and things work really well and i've realized you know that social intelligence piece too that really fits in there for me engaging with people in this fully virtual world i i don't get the zoom fatigue so much i really really like the kind of constant engagement
1: and sarah you used a word in there i'm just going to highlight for people who if you're curious about this when you use your strengths it feels effortless and i think that's a really good description this feels natural to you when you're when you're using that strength. It's easy.
0: And then Morgan, your strengths were a little bit different. Yours were creativity mm-hmm. and self regulation, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, those were my top couple. I have this ridiculous ability that made sense after I did the test. I, I can quite easily convince myself if something is good for me. That i'll enjoy it i can internalize it to the point where it's like yeah i, I like 100 percent cacao nibs right they're ridiculously bitter but i've convinced myself that they're a healthy food and I'm, i would eat them or sauerkraut i hated it when i was a kid i can convince myself that it's a prebiotic and therefore healthy and yeah load it on please and the same goes for a lot of other things with work and life that i can build that self-regulation in. i can time box fairly well that sort of stuff comes more naturally to me on the creativity side i i love to think of a complex problem and noodle around how on earth it's going to get better you know that's the effortless part i mean it's work but that drives me it's a lot of fun
0: that strengths tool has been really useful for our team and maybe something useful for other teams to think about taking forward and the last measure that the flourishing app really focuses on is, is a gratitude measure i got kind of a 30 out of 42 on gratitude so that score
1: congratulations
0: right that's another really quick tool that, that can be kind of a great practice in terms of thinking about coming back to and redoing these over time.
1: So those are the measures. And again, we're focusing on this one group. Those are the four tools that they've highlighted. But what they've also done that I really appealed to me and sort of our mandate in this podcast is to find tangible things that we can do, not just measurement, but actual activities. And they have a whole group of flourishing activities that you can look at. Again, they're online. They're not meant to be overwhelming. You can fit them into your week. And they've broken them down across four different areas. And we're not gonna list all the different activities, but what we are gonna do is we're gonna go through some of these ourselves, and then between now and the next podcast, they've got cognitive exercises, behavioral, relational, and then they've got some, what they call workbook exercises. And uh, across those, there are over a dozen different things you can do. I'm gonna declare on the podcast (laughs) that I'm gonna take on two of these over the next several weeks.
0: I've already started. I've beaten you to the punch. (laughs)
1: <laughs> there you go. So, and I didn't do the gratitude measures. So, one of mine is going to be the gratitude activity. So, I'm going to take that on as one of my two.
0: I'm going to take on the best self-activity. And I've got to say, I started it. And my first sort of reaction to a lot of these kind of things is eh, cringy, not so sure if this is going to be worth uh, the effort, but I- I'm really enjoying it. And then the other one for me is going to be a job crafting activity. So I anticipate, gonna a massive upswing in my, my efficiency and my ability to time block and do all these wonderful things that we've been talking about after my uh, job crafting activity is complete.
1: The other one I'm going to look at is uh, the character strengths activity. Having just talked a lot about that, I've really enjoyed them and I've I've Known about them for for a long time, so pulling that in as another action I will be great. Sarah, you kind of you kind of hinted on it, but how did you pick the two for you? Did you pick like, oh, that'll be easy, that'll be hard. I need to work on that space, or ooh, that was really cringy. I need to do that because it makes me uncomfortable.
0: So I I've got to say, I purposely avoided all of the things that make me really uncomfortable. I picked the low hanging fruit, the ones that to me seemed like they would be valuable and easy. If I'm going to be honest right now in my life, I need things that I can start and finish.
1: I think that's totally legit. So I picked gratitude because I didn't do the gratitude measure. So I'm going to do that one to kind of catch up that little bit of guilt that I had for not doing that test. And then the character strengths I'm doing because in our family, we've talked about those the via character strengths for a long time. And I think it's just neat to do another activity and can share that with my wife. And I think she'll be really interested. So that's that's how I picked mine. Sarah, that kind of wraps up what we wanted to talk about today.
0: Yeah. And we really hope that this has been useful for people, you know, after spending last week, really focusing on, on languishing and what you can do about that to spin it on its head and reframe everything more in the context of flourishing, I I think is useful. So what are we going to suggest that people do next?
1: I would encourage you to go to the flourishing.app and we'll put the links in the show notes, do a flourishing measure to see how you're doing, or pick one of the four we talked about or dive into one of the activities or both. And Sarah, I think, Join us next time. We'll reflect on how we did with our two activities.
0: And I think this is also going to tie so well into sort of as we move forward and think about mental health more broadly and sort of the longer term implications of COVID. Coming back to this idea of flourishing, I hope is going to be really valuable.
1: Yeah, I agree. This is definitely a small toe in the water to a larger topic around getting back to whatever that new normal is going to be and getting through some of the different pieces of what's happened in the last year and a bit. Thanks. We will talk to you in the next one. This has been a
0: presentation of the UBC Medicine Learning Network.